Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. Thanks for checking out the Get Happy with Jay podcast. The topic in this episode is on just about everyone's lips right now. We are going to be talking about R. Kelly. The Lifetime Network debuted the six-part docuseries Surviving R. Kelly this week. And boy, are the people talking. I've watched four of the episodes so far, and I feel that that's sufficient for our discussion right now. I have to say it was very difficult to watch. Because of my career, I usually stay away from books, TV, or film dealing with sexual abuse or assault because I live it every day. And for self-care, I don't like to deal with it in my private life, but I think it was worth it to be able to have an honest conversation about R. Kelly and the greater discussion about rape culture because he's just a small part of the predators that thrive in plain sight every single day. I'm happy to not have this as a monologue. I have two great guests to weigh in as well. Welcome, Karen Wilson, and also another returning guest, Pastor Quentin Brown. While the eyes of the world are on R. Kelly, predators, like I said, are all around us. So let's get into this very important topic. Hello, everybody. Hey, what's Uh, up? Thanks for having me. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. (laughs) Yeah, what a way to start the new year. Wow. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This subject, though, is so much bigger than one celebrity, but we have to go there first since he's the topic du jour. Mm -hmm. I think of the three of us, I'm the only one that's watched any of this docuseries. Have you watched any of it, Pastor Brown? No, I've just seen a lot of clips and previews of it. Yeah. I've been watching the, like a lot of the interviews and different things that have come out, yeah. a lot of the victims. Yeah, there's also been uh, a recent um, uh, series on BBC, which was done by someone else. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I Now, that one I did not watch, but for um, the sake of our discussion, I don't think you really have to have seen any of it to be able to talk about it because we all know the ongoing saga that is R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. So just initial off the top of your head, what do you guys think? Well, I'm upset. You know, like like we were talking off air, I said I'm not um, victim shaming or condoning or anything like that. But if he was doing all this stuff back in the day, tigers don't change their stripes. Mm-hmm. So um, why didn't anybody say something when this stuff was initially going on? Because somebody um, on my Facebook page has said that. They're like, you're going to tell the world and go on this thing, but you're not going to tell the police. So I am a little suspect that if they're like gold diggers wanting money, you know, and this, and I even said this um, with the, the Cosby accusers. I said, you know, here it is 40 years later. And now, and he's not a threat to anybody. So why are you even, um, you know, pursuing this? I, I'm just uh, help me understand. Well, I think the Me Too movement and you know the talk of 
sexual abuse has just uh, been so much in the media the last few years and we've got even a president right now who's an accused abuser himself Mm -hmm. of of, uh, I think 19 or 20 victims so I think it has opened up the doors of the conversation for it Mm -hmm. but um, back to this particular docuseries I think the one thing that stood out to me more than anything was how many people knew it. Mm-hmm. He had his boys, people in his camp that would go out and recruit young women for him and no one said anything. And the people that are, there's lots of people being interviewed in this particular docu-series that were there and were around him for years. And in my mind, I'm like, once you knew, it's one thing to suspect and hear rumors Mm -hmm. but once you know and you've seen it yourself like this one girl that was a backup singer Mm -hmm. they caught allegedly him in the act of having sex with the late singer Aaliyah Mm -hmm. on a tour bus bus. and there should have been like a mass exodus right then of people that quit and like oh I cannot have any parts of this but all this all these people stayed on the payroll Mm -hmm. and they stayed silent and they stayed silent for years. So there's, yeah, I said that just alludes to the fact of the, of the money hungry people. You know what I'm saying? And people will turn a blind eye for a lot of stuff for the cash. So, um, you know, it just, it just makes me a little leery suspect. I, like I said, I want people to feel empowered and emboldened, to stand up for themselves Absolutely. when something like that happens. Mm-hmm. But then these people, it just makes it that much harder for the legitimate ones to come forward when you've got this kind of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, and that is what uh, concerns me, that I think there's somewhat, not a big backlash, but somewhat of a backlash on the Me Too movement is that a lot of these victims come forward and it's not anything that's been recent but Mm -hmm. it's incidents from 20 30 years ago and it's like there's no physical evidence obviously after all that time Mm -hmm. and it boils down to he said she said and there's all kinds of problems with that because racial things enter into it yeah that's the that's the where the the divide might be because Mm -hmm. of the fact that now we're looking at a person and Mm -hmm. and those that know him from way back know allegedly that he was an individual that liked the young girls yes you know from far back Mm -hmm. but understanding now that hunger because of fame and fortune and things like that Mm -hmm. he's created a culture of abuse around what he does now Mm -hmm. and so now a lot of this what we see with the documentaries with this one coming out from lifetime and bbc and different interviews and even one of the ones that was um from um atlanta the one that was, used to be the former DJ. Mm-hmm. She was part of the harem. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. come out on a lot of different programs to let people really understand and understand the hurt and the pain and different things that she's been through dealing mm-hmm. with this, even at the young age, because she understood that he was a recruiter for young ones. Yes. And so now with a lot of the social things that are going on with Me Too, things that are happening, um, we still have predators today, just as you brought up, Mm-hmm. Um, from the White House all the way down yes. that have, have not been prosecuted. You mm-hmm. get people still in Hollywood. Um, you took down Matt Lauer and different ones. Harvey Weinstein, you know, Harvey Charlie Weinstein, Rose. Everybody. The list goes on and on. You know, mm-hmm. And you've got all these different people. And now you have, a as, as they've called him in Rolling Stones, a social icon of R&B, mm-hmm. it, but does not um, excuse 
any kind of abuse or anything, uh, even since he's made it a culture around him. Because he's mm-hmm. made it, as, as they are alleging in these documentaries and interviews and people that are coming out, from young age to older, mm-hmm. whatever level this is, he's created a culture around him mm-hmm. of this. And now it's bringing uh, a precedent to the front line of what you're really seeing. And now there is a lot of questions, like Cameron's bringing up, there's a lot of questions that are uh, behind all of this. Not excusing the abuse, not excusing you know what went down, but now is the fact of, okay, where was your self-empowerment? Mm-hmm. Where were you saying, wait a minute, you can't do this. I've seen too much. I'm going to the authorities yes. because of this, this, and that I've seen. And yes, we've seen him beat some high-profile cases. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got some powerful lawyers, like I told you before, on his side and different things like this. But it comes to a point that now there there should be some self-empowerment mm-hmm. with these movements that are going on for people to understand that we cannot sit back no matter what culture we are mm-hmm. and allow this kind of abuse to go on. If it's If we fought years ago for women's rights, mm-hmm to vote and all that kind of stuff and to be and we're fighting for equal pay and all these different things why not fight you know abusers and different ones that are, are causing cultural concerns and threats are even our young our young kids coming up you know i look at this i look at my daughter you know you know as as a young lady coming up and you 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 go walking into a scary world with predators and yeah, different folks like this and, and it, that can flash some money or some cash or some stuff to you and got you wrapped up. And so this is this is a threat to all cultures mm-hmm. and that, that are going on. And speaking of culture, like I said, this speaks to the rape culture that is so prevalent in our country. And as part of that, people always want to victim blame. And an example of that that I saw in the docuseries, they were talking about... Um, the case from Chicago that um, he was found innocent of, which I don't even to this day know how that happened when it was obviously him on the tape, which I will say I have never seen the tape and I, the infamous P quote unquote tape, I've never seen it. I've never had any desire to, but for the people that do, they're like, it's obvious it's him. You can see his face. But there was a, um, a white gentleman that was a juror and he was interviewed for the docuseries. And the reason why he said that he uh, proclaimed R. Kelly innocent is because he didn't believe the victims. Mm-hmm. It was because of how they dressed, how they carried themselves, how they spoke. He was like, and he said it a couple times, I didn't like those girls. I didn't like those girls. What'd well, those girls do? weren't on trial. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it shouldn't matter. I, if, I always tell the, the story. I said, everybody's like, you're mean. It's supposed to be our money and this, that, and the other. But... If I want to buy a $3,000 shirt, I'm going to do it because that's what I want to do. And I work and I, I should be able to do it. So if I want to, uh, you know, walk outside in, um, you know, uh, something that would be deemed inappropriate, that shouldn't persecute me just because I want to wear something. Isn't this America? Isn't it free speech, free expression? Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to do that? So I don't understand where he... Um, so you're going to let somebody go because you don't personally yeah, like somebody. Exactly, that just doesn't mm-hmm. even make any sense to me. That's exactly what he said. And mm. uh, the juror, I think, was made up of eight Caucasian, four mm. African-American. And we all know that race was such a big part of this, too, because mm-hmm. we've all said off air before we started recording that had those victims been white, 
he would have been under the jail. Under it. And we kind of compare mm-hmm. that with the Cosby case mm-hmm. where most of his alleged victims were Caucasian and you see where he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's taken decades, but he's behind mm-hmm. bars. And it's sad that it comes down to that, that the black body is so devalued that it's like all these girls and they don't care. There are women missing right now from Peoria, from where mm-hmm. we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And people aren't talking about it. The number of African-American boys, girls, women, and men that go missing by the tens of thousands every year, and it's never discussed. We don't know if part of it is human trafficking, which it probably is, and there's um, a growing thing about harvesting organs, all this stuff, but because they're predominantly black, you don't hear anything about it, and that's just disgusting, and it has to be part of the conversation. Absolutely. And um, like I had had mentioned um, earlier, I said, I don't talk about it a lot because I just want to, you know, square that away and put it away. But um, I was two years at at Monmouth College. Um, I did not finish. So um, but one of the things that led to me leaving there is I was harassed. And, um, you know, some of it could have been most of it was was racially motivated, but some of it was sexual and but at the time I took it upon myself to go to the dean and I'm like you know these, this is what is happening you know this is not cool you know but because it was black on black they had no policy mm-hmm. on that and so um, you know but I mean I defended myself and uh, mom always said littlest thing in the house fighting everything and, 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 and it's true but that's why I have a problem with people that let something happen to I, and like I said I'm not trying to blame but I mean having been through it myself mm-hmm. if somebody is doing something to you and you don't like it you need to check them mm-hmm. speak up right then and there go to the authorities so I kind of have a problem with people just oh well I was scared hey people who know me mm-hmm. know I don't care if it's President Obama standing over there if mm-hmm. you're not right I'm going to check you. Yeah. Not going to mm-hmm. like it. And, I, and I'm by myself a lot because of that. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, but, I, you know. And it should be that for anybody. Yeah. Anybody that is uh, abused and, and feeling that their rights are being taken away, you're violated or mm-hmm. anything. And, and this is why we have to really look at society in America and looking at the, the system of values. Um, we talk about women. Mm-hmm. Had they been devalued for so many years and a lot of the struggles and fights and different things. And so voices had to rise up to say, wait a minute, enough is enough. And there comes that time that enough has to be enough mm-hmm. and that, that people have to speak out against um, things that devalue humans no matter who you are and different things like that. And it and starts in the home, it though. Does. It does. Leadership like in the home. Watching this docuseries, I'm like, where were these parents? Oh, yeah. And that's a big question. Yeah. Because you have a lot of these victims are underage. Yeah. A lot now of them there are was, Yeah, they were pretty much all underage that were um, discussed in this. Mm-hmm. But uh, one girl, um, her situation kind of made me look a little bit differently at that. She came from a single parent household and her mom was like working probably multiple jobs so the mother wasn't at home to be able to keep track of her but that was not the case with all the victims Mm -hmm. some of the victims came from you know quote unquote normal two parent households Mm -hmm. and they still didn't know where their kids are no well some of them and then some of them the the whole glamour well my my daughter's background dancing with r kelly or blah 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 
you know yeah. some because i hear that um with people um you know oh well they've got a boyfriend or they've got sometimes you just why don't you just uh be happy that they're in school and learning but it's a status symbol to have you know at a certain age to have a boyfriend and a girlfriend and things like that and the parents are promoting it yeah. you know mm-hmm. i i remember one time i took my mom um to the wound clinic and the nurses were talking about that they're like oh well so-and-so's you know and and they were okay with their daughter going over to xyz's house while the parent wasn't there they were okay with that so mm-hmm. i'm just like okay that something so so there's a, there's the culture or maybe that's the difference between black parent and white parent i don't know but i know in my household that wasn't cool you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah we were old school when mm-hmm. that street light came on yeah. in the house i didn't even stay out until the street light nope. came on. <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother was so overprotective i was in my own yard if my friends couldn't come to my house that's it right pretty much wasn't happening nope we and, didn't go we didn't spend you, the night and at people's you weren't houses, a 10 year old getting dated by a 30 year old either right oh, yeah, absolutely not yeah. so that's a whole different that's a whole different um view of things when you see these young girls being um, um, predatorized by the yeah. individuals they so get much groomed. older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they get mm-hmm. lured by money, by power, by fame. Now let's talk about one thing that did come out in this um, docuseries, Surviving R. Kelly, um, is that he was interviewed by, I think, Ed Gordon, mm-hmm. who was with BET at the time, and he said that he himself had been um, sexually molested from the age of from seven to like thirteen or fourteen, so a number of his of his formative years, he was molested himself, and my heart goes out to him for that piece of it. But it still does not excuse him going on to assault others because a lot of people have the and it's a myth, and I hope we like dispel the myth. It's not true that all people who were molested as children male or female go on to become molesters and predators Mm -hmm. that's not true that's a lie it's actually statistically it's a very low number of those people that go on to do those behaviors so like i said that does not at all excuse what he did does that change your mind at all knowing that he was molested as a child no because if that happened to you why would you want to expose somebody to the trauma that you were exposed to yeah you know, which is exactly no why sense. most victims do yeah. not do that mm-hmm. so but i want to dispel that real quick because a lot of people feel like that or, or no somehow they use here. it as an excuse <laughs> well yeah. he was broken and he was molested it's no okay. excuse to yeah. then as an adult but it just lets you know that mm-hmm. means somebody should have should have helped him that yes. means he's crying out for some help mm-hmm. and and some of these actions that he's doing um it, it's a lot of help that is needed for this individual and he might not know how to even help himself. Yeah. And so, but somebody that's close enough to him that mm-hmm. would love him enough should have pulled him, pulled him away from all of this before it's steamrolled this far. Why does it seem like it's such an issue in the black community that we like shove things under the rug, don't want to talk about things or have these open discussions or like we handle it in the house what goes on in the house stays in the house it's been a tradition it seems to be yeah it's a generational yeah, curse it is a lot of, a lot of times mm-hmm. in the in in african-american community for years we if there's something that went down on the family level it yeah. stayed in the house and mm-hmm. it was dealt with as a family no matter you know if um uncle slept with what's her name and this and that you don't talk about it yeah you keep it you know keep it hidden and you'll get over it and just things like that and you're finding out folks ain't getting over it. 
Yeah. You know, folks are hurting. Folks are still dealing with those scars and different things that have happened in their past. And 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 especially being family, it should have it should have been dealt with even even uh, on a whole nother level yeah. because it is family. Mm-hmm. Be able to say, wait a minute, this is not what we're going to allow in the family. This and this and this wrong is wrong. I don't care who you are, you know. Yeah. But we we dispelled that a lot and, and 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 tapered it down to hide it in the family and not expose people or hurt people. But but the victims are still hurt yeah. and they're still in feeling pain from years later because of what happened and that same line of thinking it seems like it's even more of a problem in the black church that people discuss it even less like any type of sexual anything sexuality period in the church still seems to be a taboo topic which is so frustrating and when you see like any anybody's given children's church sometimes is more packed mm-hmm. than a regular service because somebody's having babies in the church and it's not always the married folks mm-hmm. too many unwed teens even in church are getting pregnant um, getting molested perped on or whatever so mm-hmm. why is it such a struggle to have those conversations in the black church I'm looking at Pastor Brown here. <laughs> Not that you can speak for every black church and every pastor in America. Talk about the abuse that's happening in the church. Yeah, because, I mean, it is a problem. It is. It I'm is. hearing stories all the time about pastors going to jail because yeah, it is true. And, and, and it's interesting because of the fact that for some reason, um, as we can say, it, it, they feel that it's taboo to talk about it. Yeah. You know, no, you know, you, you don't put your hand on the man and woman of God and this and this and that. If no matter what went down, it's things like that. But society's changing on that. And first of all, if they're a true man and woman of God, their behavior should constitute that. Yeah. And no, and matter of how they're leading, the lifestyle, in and out of church, all of that kind of stuff. And so now um, people have to really understand that um, no matter who it is, um, it's, it's still bad. It's still a crime. It's still that. Even in the, the group that's been out there predominantly and you're finding all these, this not only just abuse, um, babies being found later on and different things that are going down. And now from priests to nuns, the nun issue came out that you have even nuns that have been out there that have been sexually abusing young ladies and even dealing with some of these young guys. Mm-hmm. And so that was never a talked about issue about nuns. Mm-hmm. You all mm-hmm. hear about priests. And now you, you're hearing stories about nuns and different yeah. things like that. But you, now you see how far this really went. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think that part of that and, and not to just single out the Catholic Church because it happens across all denominations. Mm-hmm. But it seems like when you suppress someone's sexuality to that point where you can't even be married and, and have normal relations with That's your spouse, yeah. it just seems like it brings out all these like... Because you're going against human nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. That's, and that's what the problem is, mm-hmm. that they're going against something that is embedded inside of them by God himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you wouldn't be a male or female if you didn't have those feelings. Yeah. You know, you, in those hormones and all the different things that are inside of it. And those things have to to be relieved somewhere in life and different things like that. And that's the constitution of marriage and all those kind of different things that come involved in that. Mm-hmm. And so when you have groups that suppress that and say, no, you can't do that, 
or we're we're um, individuals that are going to be um, celibate to God and things like that. In that way, um, you're going against Scripture. Even the disciples had a lot of them had wives. Yeah, you know, and that's the problem they don't understand. You're going against something that they themselves didn't even do. A lot of them had wives, families, different mm-hmm. things like that. Well, they allow it in, like, um, Jewish, that rabbi has a family, yeah. and Episcopalians. So I don't understand where why that even came to pass, that mm-hmm. they they can't have a family. Yeah. I just, and that was a man-made rule. Sure it was. You know, yeah, and yeah. it has nothing to do with God. Yeah. It has nothing to do with um, religion or anything. Mm-hmm. That's something that they put on them. To, they, make, they make themselves feel that they're going to serve God even in a greater capacity, and you're not because you're allowing something and um, to to permeate inside of you that's going to cause actions like what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So just because you suppress it and you're hiding it does yeah. not mean there's something not going on behind the door, mm-hmm. and now you're seeing what's going on behind the door. All these abuses, all these different things, because they could not relieve themselves mm-hmm. in that area of their life. Mm-hmm. And now you have all these people that have been hurt because of these people that could not relieve themselves or have that opportunity to have those meaningful relationships they could have. Yeah. So what role overall does the church play in um, issues involving sexuality? Are you comfortable with the church having any involvement at all? Do you feel like it should be something that's just addressed within your family, school, etc.? The church has always had a voice in it. God mm-hmm. and, and the founding, the founding principle was always God's word. And but it, it's it's in the fact of understanding. Right now, we live in a society that it's it's divided because mm-hmm. it's the world now and the church. You got mm-hmm. the world's view of what relationship should be. And then you have the church's view mm-hmm. of what the relationship should be. Which is becoming yeah. more and more polarized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And, and the, the fact of it is, is because we're living in those end times and end days, this is where that line is going to be drawn. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the whole deal that the world, and we had a discussion on this, the, the church has to remain relevant to the world. Mm-hmm. And what the problem is that a lot of churches have become that irrelevant side that they have been left behind in the fact of reaching um, believers, millennials, centennials, different ones that are coming up with something that is meaningful Mm -hmm. and showing them that there is a value Mm -hmm. in the church for their life. Yeah. And so they need to be connected somewhere in that so they can understand that there's a different value system. Mm -hmm. And their value system is different because in the world side it says everything goes. Whatever you feel, nobody should have anything to say mm-hmm. about how you live, who you with, all that kind of stuff, who you have a relationship with. And the church has always took the stand of mm-hmm. this is how God sees it. This is um, how we procreate. This is how it really is because this is the order in which God has placed in there. And so now there's a divide between the world and the church mm-hmm. and those that believe in the word of God and those that don't because of the fact that they don't have that relationship so they can't know yeah but also they haven't been reached as well Mm -hmm. and so now this is where we are as a church you can only um be effective to those that you can reach yeah and also to to those that respect and honor the word of god yeah and so now this is where the great divide is and so that gap has to be closed first 
And so you cannot lead something, and especially with headlines and news articles about, you know, abuse here, abuse there, abuse here. Mm-hmm. They're, they're seeing that, wait a minute, is this what's going on in the church? But it's they they're they're labeling one group as the church, mm-hmm. and it's not that fact. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just one group that's prevalent in that, mm-hmm. and has been prevalent in abuse for years. And the whole fact of the 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 churches, there's many churches and many groups, and those that believe in Christ that are not. Um, abusers, though that are living um, a saved life, that are living and professing this thing at a whole nother level, mm-hmm. and and but they're not getting the press on it, right? You know, and that's the whole that's the whole nine yards. But the church always has to be in a leadership position. Right. Well, know, how do you deal with a situation like, say, a teenager comes to you? Mm-hmm that they say I'm already sexually active mm-hmm. and no matter how much you tell them about the Bible you know that probably after you get done mm-hmm. with your conversation mm-hmm. they're going to go like get busy so how mm-hmm. do you handle it mm-hmm. in a realistic way because I, I had to kind of face that in my own personal life when I was uh, raising my brother and I thank God that we had an open um, relationship and I've even mentioned this on the podcast before that he told me when he was going to you know mm-hmm. go have relations or whatever and so I was really kind of torn as to mm-hmm. like what do I say what do I do and so I kind of I approached it in two ways one I said I would really rather that you abstain and I you know mm-hmm. gave all the reasons for abstaining and including spiritual reasons mm-hmm. and then I also said but if you're still going to do this and be determined, I want to do that, then I want you to be safe. Yeah. And so I made sure that, you know, he had condoms and stuff because I wanted him to be safe if he was going to do it, which at that point he was going to. Mm-hmm. So then how do you add the, the reality mixed in there with scripture? And see, the whole deal, I used to have a, a boys group called Boys to Men, and we used to talk just issues. Um some of the stuff, the reason why we started it, they needed a, a venting ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to, and, and my wife dealt with the lady side. Um, a venting ground to say, hey, we need somebody we can talk to about what's really going on in us. Yeah. You know, what's going on with us, our bodies, our lives, different things. that, And people won't judge us by, you know, mistakes that we've made, things mm-hmm. that we did, all that kind of stuff. And it gave them an open forum to to talk and communicate and to share and say hey um you know i made some mistakes i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about that and one thing about it is if they find a person that they respect they'll look at all the angles of it mm-hmm. they'll, they'll they'll stop and say okay let me look at all of this because i see the way they're living and i see this i see that let me really look at everything before i make my own personal decision because the bottom line is you want the individuals, you know, and I tell, I used to tell my young guys, you know, decisions that you make, you're going to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right. I'm going to tell you both sides of the coin. And that's what I told them, both sides of the coin. Um, so they can understand um, the, 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 the church side of it, but also the, the, the consequences and mm-hmm. different things of different things like that and early pregnancy rates and different things like that. I dealt with my young men and told them some interesting statistics about how many in the African-American community, how many fatherless homes that there are. 
you know, how many um, people are making babies and not taking care of babies. And I said, Too you could many. be mm-hmm. you could be one of those statistics. You could be one of these young men. Yeah, you're having babies. You, you're having intercourse, but you're not taking care of your responsibilities. You know, and this is where the problem lies. You have to be real with them, and but also allow them. And as as we did, and, and somebody did in my life, you know, they're gonna make their mistakes. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be they gotta fall on their their own sword. We're all human. With their choices. Yeah. yeah. But also, but the church has to be a place that they can understand that they're still gonna be loved. Yeah. They can, they can still be embraced, and we're gonna still try to build you to be the positive. Yeah. And and not the negative. I'm still gonna try to put those values in you because you need to understand this is why it's better to do this. Mm-hmm. It's better to wait. It's better for this. And 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna let and pray for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna uh, help that uh, and pray that God leads you and guides you in your decisions of life because there's a lot of peer pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, talk so about that much. peer pressure. You got to oh, talk yeah. about it. You got to know that I know there's peer pressure out there. I know your friends are doing it. I know this is happening. All this is happening, and you instill still have to um, impute to those people biblical values and show them why (laughs) why you do certain things what was that Karen I said my mom was raising us in the Bible and I didn't even know it she's like be an individual you have to you know sometimes do what's right and sometimes you have to stand alone and that that's that's something that I'm so glad was instilled in me because like I said I don't have a problem uh, telling somebody when they're wrong and I don't and you don't have to like me love me whatever mm-hmm. what's right is right and I'm gonna um, you know facilitate that and gravitate towards that so mm-hmm. it is what it is you know we have to stop there but the conversation continues next week for part two of our discussion thanks to my guest Karen Wilson and Pastor Quentin Brown this has been a tough topic and if you have been triggered or think you may need to talk to someone about current or past abuse please call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673 for my local listeners help is available at the Center for Prevention of Abuse at 309-691-055 Until next week, do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish, it's self-care. Bye-bye.